Um, but one of the biggest things is including exercise as the sixth vital sign. Love that. So I do too. Such such a great thing. So mm. for anybody who's not like healthcare related, your vital signs, you know, we get those anytime you come in, and that's going to be like respiratory rate, blood pressure, heart rate, and temperature. They added uh, pain scores with the vital signs, so right. exercise would be the sixth. So that's things you're going to be asked every single time you come into our clinic, and that's such a big deal because. First of all, it's claim, it's putting it out there that we acknowledge that your exercise, how you're moving, is vital right. to yeah. your health. So like that's a vital sign of how you're doing mm -hmm. right now. This is a revolution to fight for truth, to fight for the people who trust us with their health, and to fight for research-backed action. This is a fight to purge baseless trends and customs in healthcare. This is a revolution to change the steps of healthcare from reactive medicine to preemptive medicine. Our vision is to be the catalyst for a system of proactive healthcare versus reactive healthcare. This is Impetus Health. Welcome guys to Impetus Health Podcast. I'm here with Sean, my husband, and one of our dear friends, Caroline Sullivan. Um, she <clears throat> works out at the same CrossFit gym we work out at, CrossFit Laminin, and um, her husband Kyle works with Sean at Vulcan Performance, so yes. been friends with them for a while and um, just really close to us and a lot of us. So um, just to introduce Caroline, we'll let her give a little introduction as well. Um, she is a nurse practitioner and she has her doctorate in nursing practice. Um, went to undergrad at Sanford, right? Yep. And then got her doctorate at Sanford as well. So we both went to the same nursing school, have a lot of similarities there. Item um, Moffitt. Yeah, item Moffitt, item B. Or no, it's now item Moffitt. Hmm. And now she um, is currently a nurse practitioner at UAB, right? Yes. Okay. So we'll let you give kind of more of an introduction about yourself, kind of exactly where you work at UAB. Okay. And then just tell us a little bit about why you got into nursing. Okay, so right now I work in the family medicine clinic. It's family and community medicine. Um, before this, I've been at UAB about two years, and then before I worked here, I did work in a rural practice, seeing more um, just like rural people. So uh, <laughs> like migrant farm workers, homeless people, recently yeah. incarcerated people. Um, so I did that for two years. That was my first job at a nurse practitioner school. Okay. So that was a lot of learning experience. So now doing yeah. more, you know, being in the Birmingham area, seeing just a different patient population in general. Mm -hmm. um, are you at Maine? UAB Maine or are you at? No, our location's in Highlands. Highlands. We have multiple locations. I'm at the one in Highlands. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. So it's a clinic setting. It's a clinic in the hospital. So that's confusing. It's outpatient. Yeah. Okay. So it's separated from the actual inpatient side of the hospital. We're like kind of out on a branch. There's like a cardiology office, neurology, and then us. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So and ortho too. General <laughs> family practice, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Cradle to grave. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, just as a um, little intro, like what got you interested in nursing? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was younger, funny story, I feel like nurses have to have these weird antidotes, but right. <laughs> my grandfather was a farmer and he was always like cutting himself or like falling. He's just like always bleeding, you know, <laughs> like from something. And I was always over there. And so when I was little, he'd be like, Caroline, you're going to be a doctor one day. You're going to, oh. here, clean me up. He just really wanted me to be a doctor. And mm. my dad still wants me to be a doctor. My dad still <laughs> wants me to go to medical school and be a doctor. It's him. It's yes. a whole other podcast. It's him. So from there, like I think that was just put into my mind as a child, like 
I, he made me believe I was good at caring for people. Yeah. Mm. And so I like grew up, grew up believing that. And, and yeah, so when I was in high school, I became interested in missions. And so I thought that nursing would be a good way to be able to do that. I really thought I would end up like living in another country one day. Yeah. yeah. And so the Lord has different plans. So here we are, but mm-hmm. that's originally why I went into nursing was more just like as a ministry. And because yeah. I grew up, just believing I was good at it, I guess. That's gotcha. awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that. Awesome. And one of the main reasons we, we are so excited to have you on today is because you are in the prime area of healthcare that mm-hmm. we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's in the clinic setting mm-hmm. where you're doing a lot of um, really great work in terms of helping people over the long run, mm-hmm. like for the um, yeah. like the longevity mm-hmm. purpose. It's not like they're coming to a hospital with an acute situation in most instances and then you like have a quick fix, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to ask you and kind of pick your brain on some of the improvements that are being made, some of the things y'all are actively doing right now, and then some areas where we can also still improve, mm-hmm. you know, in the yeah. side of medicine that you're working in. So mm-hmm. to kind of start out, um, what is the biggest barrier that you're seeing in your specific area of healthcare um, to, for providers to like provide more holistic care to patients, like yeah. what, what do you think is the biggest? There barrier? are many barriers, but I think two of the big ones that come to mind is time, and then resources slash education. So the first one, time, like it takes time mm-hmm. to thoroughly educate a patient on nutrition and exercise, and you can't do it all in one sitting. It has to be over the long haul, but it just takes time, and that's something we don't have. So just to give you like a small snapshot of like what a patient encounter looks like, and Sean, you can probably relate to this, just being in physical therapy, like having these things dictated by reimbursement. Um, So we have a 20 minute time slot with a patient and that is, you know, dictated by reimbursement, by insurance companies, that's what they say, you know, that we should have. So um, that is including them like, checking at the nurse's station, filling out their paperwork, getting called back by the nurse, getting their vital signs taken, asked all those intake questions that are required by insurance for us to ask. And then, you know, during that time, hopefully we're, we've had time to like review their chart, things like that. And we go in and while we're there with the patient, it, we have to go over all their chronic problems, have to hit all, every single chronic problem, which for some people is 20 things. Mm-hmm. Right. The medications they're taking for, any side effects they're having from the medication, then anything acute, anything new going on, which for most people, especially if they're older, there is something new, a new symptom that's right. occurred that we need to talk about, we need to diagnose that. We do a physical exam, we review any lab work we need to go over, You know, any lab work we're gonna do today, um, any medications we're gonna add, and then on top of that, health maintenance. So, like, making sure people are up to date on mammogram, colorectal screening, right. things like that, vaccinations. <clears throat> um, so that is, and we have twenty minutes to do that, and then document it all in a chart before moving on to the next patient. So that's just a snapshot of the time that we get with a patient. So that's eye opening, right? Like yeah. we just don't have time. So you, you know, when you go to the doctor and you think. I've waited so long, they've forgotten about me in here and, you know, things like that. And then a doctor rushes in or a nurse practitioner rushes in and you feel like they've only spent five minutes with you and they're trying to rush you through it. Right. Um, We feel that way as well. We feel like we are rushing through things and just doing the best we can. And it's not ideal for us to do that. And like, I'm sure you can relate to that. It's just not ideal. Mm -hmm. So time, number one. And then second thing would be resources. So providers themselves. 
primary care provider shortage is terrible right now. Mm -hmm. So in 2020, it was estimated that 45,000 primary care providers, we were short that many. That was last year. 45,000. 45,000 in the country. So Really? Mm -hmm. So what does that mean for the people who those primary care providers would be serving? They have to find somebody else. So us, the people who are serving in primary care, those people get added on top of mm -hmm. our patient loads. We have to see them. They need care. And so, it, you know, by 2025, I think they said it's estimated that we have, we'll be short 54,000. So, and it's just, you know, we have an aging population, the baby boomers. Yeah. There's right. about 80 million people in that generation. And mm -hmm. so they're aging. As you age, you're going to need more health care. That's normal. Right. You're going to need more screenings, things like that. Um, and right now, about one in nine people that are going into medical school are going into primary care. Right. And, you know, that's all for obvious reasons money you know yeah. uh, mm -hmm. you want to go into a specialty because they do the procedures they do the surgeries we don't do that in family right. medicine yep. mm -hmm. we do some procedures but there's just a huge you know gap there so yeah so you know that's the that's the biggest things is time resources education being under that kind of resource bubble because right now only one in five medical schools has any kind of course on nutrition yeah one in five and so of the other the institutions, they spend about, on average, 24 hours in their whole medical school period, four years, 24 hours on nutrition. Yep. This is a problem. Yeah. This is a major problem. We don't have the knowledge. Like, mm -hmm. we're graduating practitioners and we're putting them out there to serve people, and we don't have what we need. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it's just, like, such a, a major problem. So. That's my, that's my answer. I'm going to cut it off there. No, that's got yeah. time and then resources. I, I love what, there's so many ground we right. discovered right there. And I love some yeah. of the things you said. And it seems like, man, this problem just keeps on rolling over on itself. It keeps on, because it's not going to get any better. Like 45,000 short on practitioners right now. And why are we so short on practitioners? Maybe because of the actual holistic health of the entire country. Mm -hmm. You know, like as, as things like obesity is not getting less. It's mm -hmm. not going down. We haven't mm -hmm. seen a decline in obesity in, in a long time. Mm -hmm. Ever since really, oh, it's like the 60s or 70s, it's always been a steady incline. Like mm -hmm. Things of that nature, when those chronic diseases can continue to decrease, yeah, we're going to be short on primary care practitioners in every field so I, when when you're in and you're, like this is what i wanted to kind of get to with, with holistic health when you're in there and you've got just that short amount of time and just for people listening like for every minute you guys spend over that time slot you have it's you're losing money like money is yeah. literally being lost so you you can't do it you literally right. can't in the mm -hmm. setting trend how do you try in that short little window after you've covered everything to to bring it up to bring up say Hey, like, have you thought about your nutrition? Have you thought about drinking more water? Things of that nature. How, how do you try to implement these? That's a great question. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> tough. It boils down to like priority and discipline almost because, mm -hmm. like you said, time is money yeah. in a medical practice. And yeah. when I, you know, when I get in a room with like a person that has a lot going on and we need time to talk and like we do end up spending 45 minutes in there and then. I'm like, okay, I'm like three patients behind. <laughs> um, you know, everybody's mad at me that I'm going to go in and see next. So um, just priority, like knowing I'm not leaving this room, just making the goal that I'm not leaving this room until something is said. So Man. maybe that day you're not going to get to have like a 10-minute discussion on education. Yeah. But maybe at least we get asked. And so that's, well, we'll talk about this later, but that's where asking about it with vital signs comes into play. But mm -hmm. we'll talk right. About that later. And on that, this is, this is what I want to segue into because 
as we're talking, sometimes it just seems so hopeless. Like, how is this going to ever change? Mm-hmm. Like, with the insurance restrictions and with just the sheer fact that some people just have zero desire to change their nutrition yeah. Yeah. And, and health. They want a quick fix, you know? And so encourage us in some of the ways that y'all are doing great things at UAB. You know, yeah. you're on the yeah. forefront and yeah. you're, you're in Great things are happening. People out there care about this mm-hmm. in medicine and want to see these changes made. And so that is encouraging. Right? Yeah. And it's encouraging that there are practitioners that have been doing this for a long time. They've just mainly been alone in doing it. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just coming more into the front forefront of research and things like that. So we're seeing evidence that, oh, wow, this is a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. we pay attention to this. So at UAB, some of the things that we've implemented recently, and I'll just brag on my department, we have yeah. a great head of our department, and he's very passionate about this, and so yeah. he's just trying to make a lot of changes, and that's encouraging. Um, but one of the biggest things is including exercise as the sixth vital sign. I love that. So I do, too. Such, such a great thing. So mm. for anybody who's not, like, healthcare-related, your vital signs, you know, we get those anytime you come in, and that's going to be like respiratory rate, blood pressure, heart rate, and temperature. They added uh, pain scores with the vital signs, so right. exercise would be the six. So that's things you're going to be asked every single time you come into our clinic. And that's such a big deal because, first of all, it's claim- it's putting it out there that we acknowledge that your exercise, how you're moving, is vital. Right. Yeah. your health. So like that's a vital sign of how you're doing right mm-hmm. now. Right. Just like your blood pressure and your heart rate. And then on top of that, I think it sets the expectation for patients, whereas previously they would be able to go to their doctor's office, you know, four times a year for 40 years and really maybe never be held accountable to what are you putting in your body and are you moving? Yeah. And now the expectation has changed to where, you know, even if they don't want to make a change, at least every time you're coming into our office, we're letting you know this is vital. Right. And we're going to ask you about it every so good. every time. Yeah. You know? And so I think that just in of itself is such a game changer and is so encouraging. And I hope that will catch on and that more clinics beyond UAB will start doing that. I hope one day it becomes yeah. the sixth vital sign, just like Pain yeah. did. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that's hopeful. It gives you a sense, I feel like it gives the patient a sense of ownership in their health. Because yes. really, you can't change any of your other vital signs initially, like right, right, then, right then, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really like the fact that that's something they can go home and yeah. take action on right away. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you, so how do you, me- how, how do you guys measure exercise? You know, blood pressure, the blood pressure yeah. cuff, respiratory yeah. rate, and watch you breathe. How do y'all question. measure it? Good question. So we're asking how many days a week and then how many minutes a day. Okay. So we're not asking... We're not getting the basics of like mm-hmm. what you're doing, things like that. We're literally just asking how many minutes you're doing something in a moderate to high yeah. intensity. Like on average exercise. on a weekly scale or just daily? So like on average. So basically if you asked me, I would say um, that I exercise 45 minutes three times a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. What if I came to you as a patient and said like none? What's the next step? You would step? put zero. Like that would be their vital sign in the exercise thing. It would be zero. Okay. So for me, it would be 45 times three. That's how many minutes per week I'm exercising. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And if I said I'm not exercising at all, do y'all have like a, do y'all a referral program or like what, what is y'all's next step? Yeah. So that's being developed right now. We don't have anything in place to, to set that up. Right now it's kind of like with your other vital signs, it's like the provider becomes accountable to, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, address that mm-hmm. so 
right now it's just the provider looking at it, seeing it, and then addressing, knowing, okay, this is something we definitely need to talk about. Yeah, that's so good, and that's a, that's a really really positive thing. I'm yeah. loving that you said that because yeah, I'm thinking just my wheels turn like. So with blood pressure we have, do you actually show the person that, hey, your blood pressure is 135 over 85, this is hypertensive, this is pre-hypertensive, like showing like, you know, the, the orange to red chart, you know, all those type of things. With exercise, I'm guessing there probably isn't something like that, right? Man, right. like the, I, just a, a visual for something like that could yeah. be. I'm just thinking right now, like, hey, hey, you're not your exercise at a zero. That's a red. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, and that's great. These yeah. visuals are so important mm -hmm. for people, and I think that would be helpful. And that's okay. yeah, that so plays into something else that I was gonna say later. But okay. yeah, we'll talk about what? it. But no, this is such a good conversation. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, I think it's just so cool for sometimes that eye-opening moment of seeing it on paper, like, oh my goodness, I'm only working out 10 minutes a week, you know, right. it's just that light bulb. Yeah. Um, so what are some repercussions kind of shedding on a more of like, not a negative light, but like what's gonna the happen? Truth. The, yeah. truth. the truth. The truth. you like, From your perspective as a primary care provider, like what's gonna happen if this shift to holistic medicine doesn't happen? Like for us as society and a culture and our children, yeah. like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically boiling it down to base truth, we're not doing our job. So as a healthcare provider, we are to do no harm yeah. and to do good, promote health. Right. Mm -hmm. the, both of those things involve nutrition and exercise yeah. in dealing with chronic conditions. So if we do what we've done in the past, the majority of us in the past, and let patients continue on in their um, chronic problems and giving them medicine to cover it up, to give them the ability to keep doing the bad things mm -hmm. that we've given them the problems we're giving them medicine for, if that cycle continues and we say, we don't bring up exercise, we don't bring up any lifestyle changes, then we are doing harm. Right. We're not promoting health, and I mean, as a society, as a medical society, we flourish off of research and like going forward and just advancing in, mm -hmm. you know, in technology and in knowledge, and that's what's happening. It's like if you're not going with the research and what research is showing, then you know, you're. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of a nice way to, yeah. to say things, but but yeah, we have to go with the research and with yeah. what evidence is showing us. He yeah. preaches that. I, I agree, and I think I find too in the same thing in physical therapy field that we tend to even as practitioners we want to. And I know this in the medical field, but we want to find that research that says, man, we can fix this right now. Mm -hmm. When in reality, yeah, you can. You might be able to find something that helps short term. But long term, I find that research that really affects long term is a lot of time ignored, like diet and exercise, because mm -hmm. it's hard to implement. It is so hard to do these things yeah. the right way. Yeah. But man, there's a reason they're hard. Like yeah. the easy path isn't always the right path to go down. Yeah. You know, the path less traveled by. I have a question. So, from my perspective, as someone who's, um, I'm, I'm a nurse, but I'm also giving people nutritional advice. They come to me first, though. They are seeking out help with their nutrition so they're ready willing and able mm -hmm. so in your instance where you see this gaping hole in nutrition and exercise this person needs it but they may not be ready willing or able mm -hmm. how do you approach that conversation to someone who a may think they don't need it don't care about it or is resistant to it altogether which is the majority of people yes the majority of people this is why we have an issue so right um it, it's hard, and I think now though it's almost easier than it, than it used to be because I think used 
too. Maybe a few years ago, when someone was uh, at the doctor and they, the doctor brought up uh, losing weight or nutrition or something like that, mm -hmm. it made the patient feel like shamed and they, um, you know, they kind of took it offensively. Whereas now we're coming at it, we have more research behind it. Yeah. Right. It's really more of like we're not judging you and coming down on you because you're overweight. We literally have research to say that we're trying to help you. It's yeah. like almost like prescribing you medication. They see patients see that as care. Yeah, yeah, prescribing yeah. medications. Yeah. Where and they see the nutrition and exercise portion as really a bother and mm -hmm. a nag. We're really, you know, that it's flipped. But yeah. so how I do that, um, with people that don't want to, is in thirty seconds, in five in, minutes. Yeah, yeah, in thirty <laughs> seconds. Um, I try to give them realistic goals. That's so awesome. to tell a patient, the recommendation is you need to be moving one hundred and fifty minutes per week mm -hmm. um, at a moderate level. So that sounds really overwhelming to somebody that's not moving at all and that's right. in chronic pain and has a lot of chronic health. So instead of going you know, all the way there, I try to come back to the very beginning and just see where we can start out at. Like you told me, pick the low-hanging fruit. Yep. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, and so just trying to like look at what their daily life looks like. I always like to know that because a lot of my older patients are like above 50 and they're in like chronic pain. They're staying at home and inside most of the day. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, okay, first of all, we need to go outside yeah. every day. Yeah. So it's like Amen. starting with those low... Yeah, loving fruit and then the easy things and the moving heads. It's like, okay, Love for it. the first week, you need to go outside every day for at least just 15 minutes. Just sit outside. Mm -hmm. Then the next week, like, let's go on like a five to 10 minute walk. And then from there, building up. So I think you can't just come at a patient and say, okay, so for starting out now, you need to be exercising 150 minutes. So we feel like, okay, no, thank you. I, yeah. can't, do, I can't. Yeah. I can't right. do that. So it's just starting realistically. And I love that. I do too. It's funny saying that. Like if you go back to the 1800s or the 1700s, 1600s, and you see physicians' notes, it was like so and so came to me with this issue in their bowel. So our our prescription was literally um, walk five, walk outside for so many minutes a day or so long a day, and eat a healthy serving of berries and mixed nuts and these things. Like that's literally what they were prescribed back in the day. Yeah. They had nothing else to work with. That was yeah. it. That's all they had. Yeah. <laughs> Atomic Habits is talking about like how you can like build habits that are like already ingrained in your life to where it doesn't feel like work. Um, that James Clear, the author, talks about when he's trying to get someone to go exercise or build a habit of just moving. He starts out with like exactly what you were saying. He's like, just go to the gym for two minutes. He's like, if you don't work out, just show up, walk in the door, and you can leave. Yeah. And then each week, like, add a few minutes until you get to a place where you're just comfortable and you're used to showing up to the gym. You're mm -hmm. used to the routine of just just starting to where it's not overwhelming. And then you find that over the course of a certain number of months, this individual has lost a certain amount of weight. And it's like, yeah, exactly like you said, don't start with the end goal and work your way, like, back in this overwhelming sense. Just start. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. and I just love that you're doing it like that to where people can actually just take action without flipping their life upside down. You know, so yeah. good, yeah. And, and because why? And you said all the time because success breeds success. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think every 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 episode we've had, Ellie's put success breeds success in there, and it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we kind of the the question I want to talk about, and this is we've already been all over, but I want to ask it. 
So this part, and, and yeah, for those of you can't tell, for those of you can't tell, there, there's music playing really loud. That's why we have the mics on. They're not gonna be able to hear it. So, so if you hear screaming music, yeah, don't worry about it. But it's um, just helping our class, like <laughs> yeah. When when you uh, when you have somebody in there and say that they, you can tell, like you bring up this topic, you bring up exercise, nutrition, you show them the six vital signs, which I love, and they're very apprehensive about it. Maybe that maybe they're even upset about it. Yeah. What what what's your next step? Do you just and this is totally fine. You just walk away and say, I'm gonna try to come back to this later time, or how do you do that when you have someone who's totally you shouldn't be telling me this. Yeah, if someone has that response to where they're actually kind of offended by it, mm -hmm. then I take that opportunity, no matter how late it's going to put me going forward, to educate. Yeah. I don't ever want the patient, my patients to feel offended by Amen. what I'm telling them. I want them to know that it's coming from care and concern for their health. And so if they take it offensively, I know that they're not educated on it, which most of us aren't. So good. But there's some people that don't take it offensively and they just kind of brush it off and like, yeah, I'll do that later, I don't really care. But then others who are like, um, you know, you think I'm not good enough and what like, you know, like yeah. not, you know, whatever. So right. just take that gives me the red flag, like I must at least educate, even if it's just for three minutes, I'm gonna tell you why I'm why I just told you that. Yeah. Right. So can help your blood pressure, it's gonna help XYZ times hundred. Right. right. Um, and just from personal experience, have you seen any cool like reverses? Yeah. Like, can you talk so many. talk about like some of the main chronic conditions and how those yes. lifestyle factors have changed? Yes, those are my favorite. <laughs> That's like why I love to do what I do. Right. And so I remember the first time it ever happened. So the job I originally started out in, I didn't have a lot of um, just like resource or support to provide this like kind of holistic care to people. Mm -hmm. yeah. But just kind of doing all research and things like that, I was just kind of learning more about it. And so I had, diabetes is my favorite condition to treat. Really? Yes. I love working with diabetic patients. Like type 2 or type 1? Type 2. Because you can yeah, reverse it. it. Yeah. Uh, so um, it was a, a man who was in his late 40s and he was African American, had a really big family history of diabetes, mm -hmm. and he actually got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in the ER when he had diabetic ketoacidosis. He oh, died. Yeah. His heart, uh, his blood sugar was like over 500. Yeah, he got hospitalized. Yeah, pretty young age it sounds like too. Yeah. So he came into me following up, just a hospital follow up, and of course they had put him on tons of insulin just to stabilize him. Um, and so he was just super discouraged because he didn't like giving the shots, no, nobody does, <laughs> and he had no idea what, he had no idea what to do. So it was kind of, you know, almost like the first time I got to like, not experiment, but just kind of like, what? Yeah. Like, I think I use all these things I've like learning. And so just teaching him about like diet, exercise, we actually pulled him off the insulin because I was like, he seemed so motivated. And I knew right. that we could get him on oral medications and just get him off insulin because then he wasn't going to be compliant. Yeah. So mm -hmm. typically anybody would say that if their A1C is over 10, they have to be on insulin. Right. So it's kind of going a little bit against the standard there, but I had hope in him. So he followed up. We did close follow-ups, you know, just to keep him safe. Yeah. But basically in three months, his A1C went from 14 to 9. Oh, my which is so awesome. Yeah. His normal is 7. 7 is control. Yeah. He went from 
I, we do have patients like that, and they're awesome, and I love working with them. And it's so eye-opening for them, and it continues to be eye-opening for me. That like, just, I mean, reading the research is one thing, and that's great, and we trust it, but yeah. then you see it in people, you're like, okay, this works. Yeah. Like, please, I wish, you know, all my other patients would, would just hear, like, you on a big screen in front of them. Right. Just tell them, like, it really does right. work. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, like, I really think the transformation that's going to happen in healthcare, yes, it starts in it, with the primary care providers, with the nurses, with the doctors. But if you can change one person like that, change their perspective, then they can go tell their family and they can educate their kids and raise them up with proper nutrition and movement as a priority in their life. So the ripple effect really happens in the individual that experiences it or sets the tone in their family. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that's kind of like the ground floor, yeah. you know? Um, so that's just so encouraging to hear that there's changes that were happening um, mm -hmm. and, and that there's improvements being made. Yep. So, I have a question for you, a little bit different. Do you have, with the changes you're seeing, the yeah. six vital sign being added, I, I, I keep saying that because I love that. It's so good. Exercise being six vital signs. It's so good. That's such a great thing. But with that being implemented, you know, do you have hope that we can see this change? Do you have hope that the healthcare system can start to change and curb these things? 100%. Awesome. Yeah. That's where it's going. Yeah. It's where it has to go because it's what research is showing. And if we just look back at history of medicine, we go where the research is showing because we have brains and we know that that's, that, that's evidence. Yeah. We're evidence-based. That's yeah. what our medicine is based off of. And, you know, we're doing more and more research on it. There's more and more evidence. Mm -hmm. so. 100%. Yeah. I love it. And there's people talking about it now. Right? Yeah. That's why this is so important. Right. Because people are talking about it and having conversations. And so people who are practicing out in really rural places that don't have resources, like we're talking about, are hearing that. They're like, oh, I need to start doing my own research. Oh, yeah. wow. And it's just, it, that's why this is an important conversation. Absolutely. And yeah. I'll say this on the whole the people who I see who have no idea about any of this, who have no idea about that nutrition or exercise, when I bring it up and I state some of the research, like you talked about, like you said a minute ago, like, hey, this is, when your water levels are low, this is, could be what happened. 99% of your synovial fluid is water. So if you're dehydrated, if you don't have water in you, you're gonna have joint pain. It's just gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Let's get the water. When they hear something like that, they're super perceptive. Man, I can't say many people I've told that to and they come in with a water jug the next time they come in because they're <laughs> proud of that water jug. Education is power. It power is. Power. Amen. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Yeah, and I don't know if this is just from my short time in healthcare, but sometimes I feel like it's almost, um, education is, lack of education is almost like a way for, um, not like providers, but almost sometimes it's like, it keeps people coming back if they're not educated, you know. And I don't, I don't know any, I don't know any personal hospital or individual that does this. But I just feel like, you know, our goal should be to equip and empower people to not need us. Yeah, and they're always at the end of the day going to need us because disease is a reality. You know, we all get older, and we're all going to need, you know, doctors and yeah. physical therapists. Um, but I mean, I, I tell my clients, I'm like, I don't want you to be with me for two years, you know, I want to equip you and it's not the most lucrative thing, but like, it's the best thing for the individual. And if we're going to do what our job really is, is to do no harm and to do the best for the individual, then education is everything. They should be able to do it on their own after the education part. Yeah. So. Yeah. And honestly, the, the problems that we talk about, the time issue, things like that, the lack of providers, 
that can partially be fixed by what we're talking about. Because if we're being preventative and proactive with our medicine mm-hmm. instead of reactive, then people are not going to need us as much. Yep. Which is a good thing because we don't have enough primary care providers Absolutely. to begin with. Absolutely. So there goes, you know, the three-hour wait that you have to do at a doctor's office. You know, mm-hmm. go to the doctor's office and all day thing, yeah. and you have, you know, your provider is more with you and yeah. there to talk and things like that. And you have more time in your visits to talk about preventative mm-hmm. things because right. we're not spending the entire amount of time talking about you know, all the medicines you're taking, all of your chronic problems. Exactly. We can actually talk about the things that, that really affect Matter. us and you can't control with your holistic health. Yeah. 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 Agreed. So good. Well, we end every podcast with the same three questions. So we're going to ask you mm-hmm. and um, if, if there's anything else you want to say, anything you want to close on though, before we ask those questions, like you want to slip in? Okay. Now you talk about, I think we talked about a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the only other thing I was going to bring up is just the three the research, research shows the three top ways, ways that people will actually change oh, yeah. start exercising nutrition, but we talked about all three of this. The number one thing is education. Mm-hmm. You said that. Yeah. Tell um, us again just so we make sure. Education. Education, health risk appraisals. So that's one thing we didn't talk about, yeah. but that's important. And that's like kind of like with the chart you're talking about. Yeah. This is where you are. And kind of doing like a 10-year heart risk score, like taking all their things and putting it into the calculator and saying, okay, in 10 years, this is your risk. Mm-hmm. Wise, you're going to have a heart attack. Yeah. That wakes people up. Yeah. Yes. Um, the number three is goal setting. So I thought I should add that. And yeah. those are the three most you know research based shows that we can get somebody to change. Mm-hmm. We talked about all of this. I like the health risk appraisal. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And you tell them that too, the health risk appraisal, when they when you find that, like, hey, your odds of having a heart attack are pretty high, do you tell them that information? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if I have the time to calculate it, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. things like that. So but yeah, um, when, when somebody, you know, like you said, is kind of offended, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I need to talk to them about why I'm telling them this, that's when I would go through those things with them typically. Oh, that's, that's good. good. That's really yeah. Good. Yeah. I asked that when we have the mass performance program and we have these assessments that we do and we can kind of tell at the end, like for older adults and certain, if they score this certain level on a test, like your odds of dying. And the next couple of years are pretty high unless yeah. we get these scores up. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily tell them that every time. <laughs> we just say we really, we really need to work on this. This is a, we really need to get this right. No, we don't want to say I mean, this. if someone really cares about you, they're going to tell you the hard truth. It depends on the person. Yes. Yeah. If I have people in my life and I'm really overweight, not taking care of myself, and they're just like, "You're doing great, sweetie," like. Don't yeah. tell me that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I'm sorry, but we're doing harm. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. So I think that's, it's the hard truth, but it's the truth in love. So. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so first question, what is one thing you're doing right now that is making your life better? It can be small, it can be anything. The nutrition challenge. Oh, yeah. 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 That's good. We have a nutrition challenge going on at our gym right now. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are doing it. Changing my life, too. Yes. yes. You're crushing it. And you have a sweet little baby, Asher. Yes, yes. Then he'll benefit from all these changes in life because it's generational. Yes. It is. It yeah. is. And honestly, I was not, I was raised with really poor eating habits, and so was Kyle. We were raised in the South. Yeah. And Me so too. it's so hard to change habits. It's no so kidding. hard. But I, with having Asher, I was like, Things have to change, change or he's gonna have to happen. Yeah. Right. And so it's so much motivation to right. really just like dig into the nutrition line and like make new habits. Right. Yep. And that's my favorite thing is when people say their why is their child. Like I love that because that's gonna keep you in it more than having a six pack. Yeah. You know? Like when you're doing it to influence someone you love and care about, that's when it changes everything. Um, Okay. Second question is, what's something you should be doing that you're not that would make your life better if you did it? 
Okay, good question. <laughs> I feel like I'm yelling now. Y'all are talking so quiet. <laughs> the music stopped. <laughs> I'm getting so excited. This is a good question. Um, I'm gonna have to go spiritual on this one, guys. We love it. Come on, we love it. Yeah, I need to be. I need to be studying the word right now more. So I actually had a conversation with a friend. But you know, you just get a good season if you're just doing poorly in that area. So I am in. Me too. I talk to the word for kind of fun. I'm also like, you do with somebody when you do with somebody, like, more accountable. So I'm like, I like, for like, okay, I gotta reach out because I'm not being accountable for myself. So, yeah, I agree. Totally. That's so good. Yeah. And then last, it's not really a question, but. The quote can be pertaining to what we talked about or any quote that you've loved your whole life, but what is one quote to go out on? Ooh. Let me, it's on my Instagram. I don't want to misquote it. Is it your bio? I mess it up. No, it's not my bio. It's not about words. Her bio. It should be. Let's go back to MySpace and find your bio. But just to, this just kind of caps up like everything we've talked about. Yeah. But I don't want to misquote it. That's why I'm not going to say it without reading it. MySpace quote was so good. And Caroline's husband is a pastor as well. We didn't say that. but He's a wonderful pastor. Okay, Thomas Edison said this. He said, the doctor of the future will give him medicine, but will instruct his patients in care of the human frame, in diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. Amen. I love it. Edison. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ellie, for your input on the topic. Tom Scherzer is a smart guy. He probably I love that. That was good. So I love that. He, I mean, this is Thomas Edison way back when he was the doctor of the future. And I feel like finally, after how many years, like we're finally at that future point where like this is what we're doing. So yeah. good. It's the start. Start. The ball is starting to roll. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Sorry. So I love good. it. Well, thanks for all the work you're doing in healthcare and, and fighting this battle. Yeah. That really is huge, just in America and um, the chronic disease and all that. So we're yes. grateful for people that are doing it right. Thank you for being exceptional and yeah. doing this. No. This is big. It's, yeah. The ball starts with you. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it definitely does. And thank y'all for talking about this because this is important. Yeah. Yeah. This is the only way it gets spurred on is when people talk about it. Right. right. And if y'all know anyone else who has, you know, yeah. input or if you have, you know, connections, let us know. If, Get if, them on the podcast. If uh, anybody wants to follow, what's your Instagram handle? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> you will see a lot of Asher. A lot of Asher. Yeah, you'll see only Asher. baby in the world. C-A-R-S-U-L-L-I. We'll put it. Caroline Sullivan. We'll put it in the show notes. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Caroline, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Good. Aww.